0: and welcome to another episode of the black expat podcast my name is carl and i'm excited to be rocking with you guys for yet another episode. I am very honored, thankful, and grateful to be joined by an amazing woman today who will be joining and calling in shortly for episode eight of the Her Story series. I'm very excited for her to share her story about how she ended up in Taiwan, which has a lot of things going on right now in regards to COVID. I'm hoping all of my friends uh, and family, you know, people that are like family in Taiwan, uh, are doing safe all around the island. You guys are taking care of yourself and exercising level three protocol and all this, that, and the other. And before I jump into the interview with the guest with the amazing Janet when she calls into the show, make sure you guys check out my new YouTube video I just released of us on a boat doing boat stuff. Um, also, I'm going to release an article on Medium upcoming this week. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out the Black Expat Podcast Network. I have not released that on my social media, so you probably haven't seen it unless you listen to my previous podcast about it. But... <laughs> It is up, it is out, and I've already connected with quite a few amazing Black podcasters from all over the island. So make sure you go and check that out. I am very excited to talk to Janet today. Um, Every time I've interacted with her, it's just been an amazing experience. I've learned a lot, grown a lot, and I am just super excited to have her um, on the show coming in. Coming up shortly, coming up shortly, actually. So once she is ready to call in uh, and join the show, we can get that underway. So Janet, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Happy Sunday. How are you?
0: I am doing all right this lovely Sunday morning. Are you staying safe? I heard Taiwan's on level three and everything now. So are you doing okay? You indoors? You have to go to work and stuff like that?
1: I've been locked down since uh, Friday, Friday night. So I'm all right.
0: Do you have, like, are you doing anything? You need some juice or some water? Can I send you some Uber Eats?
1: Gin and tonic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, can you just talk a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, um, and how you ended up living and being in Taiwan?
1: Okay, so I'm from uh, the beautiful paradise Caribbean island of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I used to work on the radio. And that was a big part of my life. And one day we had an advert, study in Taiwan, and I was responsible for recording the advert. And I just said to myself, you know what? Maybe I'll go study in Taiwan. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that's how it all started. I, I went through the process. I applied. I got accepted. And here I am.
0: Now, when you say you worked in radio, because you have an amazing voice, as all of you guys listening can tell, like, in what capacity did you work in radio? Were you like a DJ? Were you the host of your own show? Like, what were you doing in radio?
1: Okay, so uh, I was a uh, one man with three things to do. So I had, <laughs> <laughs> I was a newscaster, so I would go out and get the news, type it up, record it, post it. Then mm. I would DJ my own show in the afternoons, and then I would also travel throughout the Caribbean as a DJ
0: really yes and this was in
1: st vincent i said
0: was this in college or high school or or like after college when did this take
1: place this was after college huh this was my job job it's
0: like and what made you leave radio like to decide to up and go to taiwan was it like you know what i'm done with radio i've i've reached the pivot of success i'm ready to transition or was you or were you just looking for something different and something new to do
1: i just thought you know what taiwan hey what the heck I'll be far away from my family. I'll be able to, you know, survive on my own, hopefully. <laughs> just, just to experience a different culture.
0: Now, when 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 you talk about experiencing different cultures, was it something that you felt like you've always been, you know, up for and wanted to do? Um, and was Taiwan on, like, your list of places to go? or Or have you been able to travel to other places since being in Taiwan?
1: I have been able to travel to other places. Taiwan was definitely not on the list. It just happened. But I've always been into, like, learning about different cultures. And I felt like if I stayed back home, I would be really close-minded. And that wasn't something I was open to.
0: Now, you came to Taiwan to study. Were you studying Chinese? Were you studying radio and broadcasting? Like, what types of things were you learning while you were here?
1: It's funny. I came here and I was like, maybe I should study communication because, you know, I love radio. But then I went straight into business and I hated it. (laughs) And I I haven't used my business degree since.
0: So then after school, what did you decide to do? Like once you finished studying, doing business, uh, what did you see yourself transitioning into that kind of kept you here in Taiwan?
1: Okay, so I went home and the experience was terrible because I felt like I outgrew my country. (laughs) Really? Yeah, the, the experience was really bad. I was like, oh. Um, nothing's changed. I've changed, but nothing's changed here. I can't, I can't live here. I need to find somewhere else to be. So I came back to Taiwan and it just so happened that I got employed to be an English teacher. And I loved it so much that I, that's what I've been doing ever since.
0: Now, when you say that you change, right, when you're back home and you kind of discovered that you kind of outgrown, in what ways did Taiwan change you? What kind of person were you when you got to the island versus who you were when you left at that point in your life to go back home?
1: Okay, so I had very limited experience experiences back home. I mean, let's talk about homosexuality first. So in my country, it's illegal. And then I came to Taiwan and I'm like, wow, so many people are just like living their lives. And I've always felt like if someone is, on, is homosexual, you, you should be able to live your life the way you feel like. I, you shouldn't be judged for it. But then when I went home, I'm like, people are still in this mindset where if you don't live according to how society wants you to live, then you're an outcast, like, just get away. So I felt like I can't live in a country where people are not accepted for who they truly are and you have to change based on you know societal norms. So that's how I knew I've changed. Because I would be okay with saying, okay, this person is homosexual, they can't live here anymore, they have to move out of the country, they're going to, you know, get abused or something. So for me, I felt like I had grown a lot, like I outgrew the norms of my country and the thinking of the people. So I felt like maybe I should just go back to Taiwan. I felt very comfortable in Taiwan when I was first year, so just go back.
0: So I know you talk about like the cultural comparisons of, you know, of, of your home country versus Taiwan. But what was it mm-hmm. like for you? Like what were some of the hardest things to adjust to um just, you know, just living on the island because I know the food, I mean, is obviously mm-hmm. quite different yes, and yeah. also the people would be quite different. But what, like what were some of the things that you struggled to adjust with when you made your transition from uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines to to Taiwan?
1: You know, it's funny. <laughs> Back home when I never experienced like, hey, you're different because hmm. it was just, I'm a person, we're all people. But the first time I experienced that was here in Taiwan, hey, you're different. You're tall, you're black, you're different. So that that took me some time to adjust because people would stare at me and I'd be like, why are they looking at me? Because in my mind, I'm just like, hey, I'm just a human like everyone else. But mm. <laughs> but walking around this walking around the streets like you you realize very quickly like you were very different and people would not be afraid to point that out to you. So that was kind of a shock for me.
0: Was it easy like was it a was it relatively easy for you to adjust to like the way in which you live because like I'm not really I'm not really sure how like the housing structure is in St. Vincent, if you want to talk to us about that a little bit, because I know the way that, you know, they live in Taiwan. When I first came, the bathroom situation definitely freaked me out because I didn't understand what <laughs> a sink toilet shower was until, you know, I lived in Taiwan and I had a sink toilet shower, which I could only do for a month. And then it was, you know, walking on the street and seeing all the street food um, and the night markets. But then the smell of it was kind of a lot for me when I initially came here. So like, how did you adjust to just living like in the houses that you had being in Taiwan, but also the food right and the things that you ate while you were here on the island.
1: Okay, let's, so let's talk about the, the bathroom situation first. So I never knew like you had like a wet bathroom, like a wet shower. So you shower in the same place where the toilet is. That was new to me because back home, we, we don't have that, everything is separate. The toilet is separate to the bathroom and the sink or whatever. So that was hard to adjust to, but I mean, I adjusted to it quite quickly because I understood that this is what they have here. So I just had to get used to it. But the food on the other hand took me some time
0: Mm.
1: yeah um i remember walking through the night market and thinking what is that smell (laughs) So, (laughs) so i've adjusted to that because now i'm thinking when you come to taiwan the food smells bad but it tastes good But in the Caribbean, the food smells good and it tastes good. So I just had to switch (laughs) switch my thinking a little bit. (laughs) That's
0: where it smells good and it tastes good. (laughs) That's hilarious. It's like, what is is your favorite meal? Uh, Well, I do want to ask, do you cook? Like at home when you're by yourself, do you cook and make your own food?
1: Yes, I do. I have to because now I am a full-on vegetarian. I don't eat any meat at all. So I have to cook most of my meals by myself yes
0: it's like what what would be your go-to dish that that will remind you that you could make in taiwan that would remind you of home right that would give you that sense of yeah this reminds me of being back home because it smells good and it tastes good
1: okay so my favorite meal back home is pilau, but they make it with chicken back home here because Mm. i don't eat meat i use soy chunks and it's just like rice with uh the soy chunks maybe some beans mix it all together, stew it together and it's delicious. For me, it's delicious. But um, mm. adjusting to the food here. So I really love plantains and they don't have that here. So I've been frying banana. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been frying banana. So if I feel like I want to have some plantains, I'll go to the market and get some bananas and fry them up and use my imagination, I guess. <laughs> To kind of make the,
0: make the platanos come come to life, man. I actually, you know, I didn't really realize that. I found plantains in one location on like the south-south of Taiwan. Um, but it didn't, it's it still didn't taste the same when I when I tried to cook them. It might have been because I can't cook that well, that <laughs> particular dish. I can cook, y'all. I, mess, I said that incorrectly. I can't cook plantains very well. It may have been that, but um, it didn't taste the same. I will say that. But like, what is your favorite Taiwanese dish to eat? Like when you're out and like if I came to visit you even though I'm already here if I came to visit you in Taiwan uh what would you what place would you take me to to have good tasting food it doesn't matter if it's Taiwanese or not but good tasting food that you can find yourself eating here in Taiwan
1: well my favorite Taiwanese dish is ma mian. it's uh, sesame noodles so mm. I would definitely take some who doesn't love noodles I would take someone to have ma mian for sure
0: Noodles. I haven't really gotten to the noodles. Every time I go out and they say you want noodles or rice because you'll order like a main dish and then it'll come uh-huh. with noodles and rice for some reason. And I'm like, why do I want a, a side bowl of noodles? It's like noodles became the new French fries, which again, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want a side bowl of noodles I want a side bowl of french fries but anyway that's a that's a little bit off track <laughs> just just a tad bit off track uh, but so what what was it like going to school I, I kind of skimmed over that but I do want to circle back yeah. to it for a second what was it like going to school here I didn't go to school in Taiwan like I taught in schools like what's the difference between like not the difference between what was your experience like in the classroom learning with other foreigners and Taiwanese students too like what was that like for you
1: Well, it was obvious that the foreigners were all grown up mentally, but the Taiwanese were still so very young and Mm -hmm. they have like this system in the classroom where if they don't understand something, they would never say, hey, I don't understand to the professor. They'll just wait until after and find someone else to ask. So that was different for me because I was very outspoken in in the classroom. I'd be like, hey, professor, can I ask you this? I'll ask you that. And people would always be annoyed because I was always asking questions. And I'm like, I'm here to learn. So I should be able to. So I, I realized like in the Taiwanese system, it's just sit and listen to the teacher, whether you understand or not. So that was hard for me to adjust to. But otherwise, it was pretty good. It was a pretty good experience.
0: And, you know, that's that's so interesting to hear because I thought, again, me assuming, I thought that in a collegiate-based classroom that it would be different, right, that they would actually encourage dialogue and asking questions. I didn't know that it's the same experience for foreigners, but also I know a lot of my friends that I talked to that were in school, they were in school for like math and stuff like that. So it wasn't necessarily, uh, I guess, conversation-based, but if you have a question, I would think you would want to raise your hand and ask it, right?
1: Yeah, a lot of my so classmates like, never did that. They would, like, come to me after and be like, did you understand that? Can you explain that to me? And I'll be like, you have the opportunity to ask the professor. <laughs> and you're waiting until the end to ask me. Like, they would just not ask the teachers anything. They would like just the sit and
0: listen. The person who's actually teaching you is right in front of you. You should probably utilize that resource. I wonder how you what say I was that.
1: thinking, but... I mean, <laughs> later on, I realized it's just like a system in Taiwan when you go to school, especially like in an elementary school, you don't question the teacher.
0: I wish that was true for foreign teacher classroom because my kids stay ra- stayed raising their hands to ask stupid questions. I'm sorry. There's no such thing as a stupid question. <laughs> raising their hands to ask unnecessary questions for the time in which they were asking. Them, is what I would but like don't you say.
1: just love it that they're so open now to just asking questions? Maybe this is the only opportunity they have to ask questions.
0: My, my response is always, why don't you go ask your mama? Now, again, I didn't say your mama because <laughs> you can't say that to the, ki- you can say that to the kids, I guess, as long as you don't say your damn mama or something like that. But now <laughs> I was like, Why don't you go ask your mama? Sound like something you your mama should talk about. But again, I'm out of teaching. So uh, I can say this <laughs> stuff always, now.
1: I always <laughs> ask, um, is it relevant to what we're discussing? And they'll be like, no. And so I'm like, let's just wait until some other time.
0: <laughs> there you go. Day one in the classroom, y'all. Relevant. What does that mean? It means is it something, Teacher Carl, want to hear? Yes or no? All right. If it's not, that means not relevant.
1: Let's move means,
0: on. <laughs> shut up. So yeah. <laughs> so, so with teaching, right? So you were taught in Taiwan. Um, wait, before we get into the teaching question, what did you attend any like university parties? Were they fun? Did those things happen? Like, were there any extracurricular activities that you could do or that you did while you were here?
1: Dude, no one in invited school? me anywhere. Really. My college experience was not what I expected. You know, you're supposed to go to college and be invited to all the parties, but I was judging everyone who was partying because I was like, I need to get this degree. So maybe I should blame myself.
0: I'm not gonna lie, my first three years of college, I didn't drink, not to say that you have to drink to have fun, y'all, but it does help sometimes. And uh I was the same way. Oh yeah, Carl don't drink, he don't want to come. I'm like, Well, I actually would love to come. I just don't want to drink uh bottom shelf alcohol and then have a headache the <laughs> next day all day. Uh and then you know, I opened the bar, so everything came full circle. But like, were there any like sports or anything? Like sports events and activities that you could attend in uh college?
1: They had sports, but I never attended. I didn't really care to be a part of any of that stuff.
0: So it was I just, just books and boys. Them. And I mean sorry, just books and uh books <laughs> and degrees.
1: Books and bed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: B&B, <laughs> the old-fashioned <laughs> So then uh, transitioning from college uh, uh, into your own classroom, right? What was it like? What is it like for you? Or has it been like for you teaching in Taiwan, teaching the kids? And like what age group of kids did you mainly work with so far?
1: Okay, so when I first started teaching, I did kindergarten and elementary school in the same day. And that was fun, that was exciting because I feel like I'm a big kid myself. But now I teach elementary and junior high school students Mm. and that's a whole different experience. I also think I'm the fun teacher because my students say that to me. I just, I let them get away with a lot, but as long as they're learning, I'm okay. And they're not being disrespectful, I'm cool with that. But teaching for me is very fulfilling because I like to see the progress in my students if I see you progressing, then I know that I'm doing something right.
0: That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's that's definitely a motto I have for my kids. It's like, I didn't think I liked teaching until I actually saw that something I said actually stuck with one of the kids. You know, and I taught, I didn't teach little kids when I first came. My first class was grade six kids. And I was like walking to the class, playing Michael Jackson. I'm like, oh yeah, everybody knows Michael Jackson. And they did, but they didn't like none of the music I was choosing. So not to get well versed <laughs> in pop music, but um, but yeah, it's like that's what uh, that's what definitely kept me going was after the first year, I was like, oh, these kids actually remember my name and stuff that they learned, and they asked me questions. This is this is pretty cool. So like, is the school system structure what you expected when you, you know got the job to come and teach in Taiwan? Like, and how is it different than the educational system that you had back at home?
1: Well, back home, you go to school at what eight o'clock. You get home at three. Right. Not here. You go to school all day. It's so different. And classes are like 30 minutes or 1 hour, but it's pretty much the same thing. You learn vocabulary, you learn grammar, you learn you learn phonics and everything just, you know, flows together. So I like that. I like being at a school where they have like a foundation. You don't just throw the kids into English learning without giving them a foundation.
0: And like in regards to your own preparation, do you find yourself having to prepare a lot for each of your lessons or or has it been a case where over time, over the amount of time you spend in the classroom, you've it, it's become easier for you and more natural for you to just, you know, pick up a lesson, skim it for 10 minutes and then go into the classroom and just kill it with the kids?
1: Yeah, I'm able to prep for maybe five, 10 minutes and then I'm ready to go. I know exactly what I want to do. And unless I have to do like a project that takes more time to prepare, but otherwise I can just jump into the classroom and get going.
0: And like how many hours in like a given day and also in a given week do you spend in the classroom teaching and how much prep time do you usually get for each class?
1: So it depends on the day. So on Tuesdays I just work for four hours, but otherwise I work for five hours. Um, My prep time is I usually go early and my boss recognizes this. I go to work like maybe an hour or 30 minutes earlier than I'm supposed to just to to get ready for my lessons. Because I want to be able to get the most out of my classes. So if 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 I have more time and I can prepare like a fun class, like I'd like to if we're learning about food. I like to cook with my students. So I've been doing that for about four years now. We cook like different things and it's not just like it's not Taiwanese food, it's food from different cultures. So they really like that. So that takes some time to prepare. So if I go to work earlier, then I have more time to get ready for those classes.
0: So um could you see yourself teaching then for like an extended period of time in, in other countries or is teaching kind of an avenue for you to, you know, grow and develop and into something else uh for your future
1: Ooh, that's a fully loaded question (laughs) um i think i think there's a there's a time limit on my teaching Mm. maybe two or three more years tops and then i can move on to something else
0: could you see yourself going going back into radio and being a, a dj or like a radio host again
1: absolutely absolutely i would love to do that and i've been looking into it and i'm like do i am i ready am i ready to do that so i I I definitely see myself doing it
0: because i've also heard like, i was reading a few articles that you're also quite the singer as well um is that something (laughs) you could see yourself also diving back into (laughs) singer performer artist you know all those things
1: well, singing has always been my passion ever since mm-hmm. I was younger. And that's one of the things I was able to jump back into when I got here. Because when I first got here, I joined a band. And I was singing in that band for a while. And now I'm doing like acoustic shows, which they're very low key, but I have like a, a nice little fan base and everyone shows up to show their support. So I really, I really enjoy entertaining people.
0: So like, Is it safe to say that singing is one of those passions that you kind of rediscovered once you came to Taiwan and how have you been able to kind of maintain that outside of the band? Like, like what, what led you to pick back up and, you know, get back into one of your passions, which was singing uh, while, while here in Taiwan?
1: It was definitely an accident. Like one day I walked into uh, a pub and this guy was singing and he played a song and I was sitting at the table and I just started singing and he was like, Whoa, you definitely have to perform that song with me. And that's how it all started. And once this guy left, I decided, you know what, let me just continue singing. So I got a few people together, the pianist, the guitarist, and we just, we've been jamming ever since.
0: Wow. So, like, how do you feel? Like, being in the classroom... And being on stage singing and, you know, just being regular Janet, like like regular everyday Janet. um, Mm -hmm. How do you feel differently when you're on stage? Right. Because I'm a firm believer that when you teach and you're in front of kids, it's kind of a performance, too, that you're putting on just to keep them focused and engaged with you. But again, obviously singing to a crowd of people is also a way in which you can perform as well. But like what kind of feeling do you have when you're on stage versus when you're in the classroom teaching versus, you know, just your everyday life of being Janet? How does it change you in any way?
1: Well, all around, I I feel joy in regular life, at the job, also singing. I feel joy all around. And I feel like teaching has prepared me for being in front of a crowd because now I am able to keep my audience's attention like I do with my students. And it's not as hard as it used to be a long time ago because now I'm a little bit more experienced. I just feel joy. And that is important to me. If I'm not feeling good while I'm doing it, I probably shouldn't be doing it. So I'm happy that I am able to feel some sort of joy when I perform, when I teach, when I wake up in the morning, I jump out of bed and say, whoa, I'm here.
0: Well, on that, I mean, again, that's that's very important because I think some of the best teachers I've met and that I've talked to, um, they all have similar stories, right? Because even for myself, I didn't, I had terrible stage fright. I was, you know, I had a stutter. I still kind of have it a little bit as well. I mean, all these things wrong and teaching definitely like opened the door for me to kind of find my true self and really hone in on some of my old passions and skills that I thought I would never gain. I thought I would never get back or I could ever even possess. Um, And I think it definitely shows, you know, in how you communicate and how you operate in the classroom. Right. because again, you don't have to be super passionate, super teacher uh, to be, you know, in the classroom as an ESL teacher, especially. But it's definitely important to bring, you know, any passion to the class because that's what the kids feed off of. So whether it's a cooking class or, you know, you're introducing a grammar lesson, uh, it's the Mm -hmm. passion in which you deliver. And if you have that joy, um, it just makes your experience better, but also the experience better for the kids as well.
1: And the students feel your energy, too. If you go in and you're already like, okay, I, I hate doing this. I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway because I get paid to do it. They can feel that energy. So if you go into the classroom with that energy, then you're already failing. Might as well just do, it, do the best you can. Go in, be positive, think positively and welcome them into your fold. <laughs> do, you, do you tell stories in your classroom, like life story?
0: you know the funny thing is because i started with high school uh, high school only kids and older ones that's how i would start every class Uh, i was 21 years old when i first started teaching so when i walked in I would just, and I had a roommate, and I would just walk in and say, "Guess what my roommate or my crazy dog did last night?" And I would just talk to the kids for like five or ten minutes, and I would ask them questions about their days, and they would always think my fun, my stories were funny because, like, I was a foreigner, I was, I was legit lost. I ate dumplings for the first six months of being in Taiwan because <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know other food existed. Right? Wasn't <laughs> no Google Maps, wasn't no iPhone. It was the little uh, T9 dialing and text message. And for those of you guys who know what T9 is, Google it. But, um, <laughs> right, so my kids would crack up, like, oh, my God, you ate dumplings again last night, didn't you? But, yeah, like, the stories <laughs> is what helped them connect with me because uh, they saw me as a real person, right, that was trying right. to get through them and teach them. But it definitely helps. So is, is that something that you use in the classroom?
1: I actually switched it around. In the beginning, I used to tell so many life stories. And then I figured, you know what? These kids have stories to tell, too. So for the first 15, 10, 15 minutes of my class, I allow my students to just tell me whatever story they want to tell me. And sometimes I hear things I don't think I should be hearing, but <laughs> at, least, at least they're opening up.
0: <laughs> exactly. And like, because I usually taught like a speech-based class, one of my first assignments was always, uh, I would ask the kids to, in 16 sentences, tell me who you are, right? And they would always say, I am this, I am 14, I am Taiwanese. And I said, no, give me more than that. And I would usually make some some kids cry because it's like, I don't know what else to say. I I really am just 14 and Taiwanese. Like, (laughs) no, what makes you happy? What makes you smile? What makes you laugh? Like, oh, oh, you want me to think deeper? I'm like, yeah, yeah, do that. Because, um, again, it's just once you know a lot about them, you can kind of use that to manage the classroom. And like you said, uh, build those genuine connections with students as well.
1: Right.
0: Hey, so enough about these kids. How do you yourself, <laughs> how did you find community in Taiwan? Right. And how did you make Taiwan feel more like home or comfortable for you?
1: Oh, that's a question right there. Community in Taiwan. Well. I've always believed that you should make the best of where you are, just Make the best of it. And I'm very happy in Taiwan. I have no complaints. If, if I ever get to the moment in my life where, okay, I'm not happy here anymore, then I can leave. And I've always been like a loner. So it's not a problem for me to be alone. But what I've noticed in Taiwan is it's so hard. Maybe it's just me. It's so hard to make friends. Mm. Because you meet someone and you connect with them. And then they're like okay let's hang out sometime and they share you know you exchange information and you're the only one trying to organize a get together like hey let's hang out hey let's hang out and at some point it starts to feel like you're pushing this person to make a a more genuine connection with them so for me i just i keep to myself a lot i do things by myself and if i meet people then that's awesome
0: too. You know, that's very interesting that you say that because I can understand it did kind of, when I came to Taichung, I definitely felt that because, you know, Taipei is a big city, summers of Chicago. Taichung is kind of like a suburb, right? And I think it does have that suburb vibe to it. But even in Taipei, pre the, you know, Facebook boom, Instagram boom, uh, you know, yeah. line cell phones everywhere. Um, when I first came to Taiwan, when I would go out and meet somebody, you had to like exchange numbers and you had right. to make an effort to call. Like you had to actually, it wasn't no find me on Facebook or to get my line. It was, you had to like make an effort to pick up the phone and call them. So I would go out and meet a bunch of people and not everyone would call me back or I, w- I wouldn't even get everyone's number, but the people who did call, like that's when I knew like, okay, this is, this could be something real, but I had a huge sample size to choose from. But when you go out in a place like Taichung where you'll maybe meet one or two or three people. And usually when you meet someone in Taijong, correct me if I'm wrong, this may not be your experience, but they're pretty much already grouped up. Like I've always. Yes, only everyone met
1: has their click. Yeah. Everyone definitely has their click already.
0: So then when you kind of enter as, you know, an outsider, it's like kind of trying to fit into someone else's already established thing. And the weird thing is, like, they establish them in many different ways, whether you work with them usually is what, what it is, or you came yeah. with them or you just known them from some other way. Um, but mm-hmm. it, it is hard to kind of break into those clicky groups that people have, It specifically in Taichung. Taipei is a little bit different. Uh, there is right. more of a networking scene there, I feel like, but definitely in Taichung. Like you said, uh, if you don't have like an established clique, if you will, it's hard right. to kind of break into that.
1: I agree. I agree with you. That has been my experience. I find when I go to Taipei, maybe for a weekend, I make more genuine connections that I've ever made here in Taijiang And I don't know why it's so difficult to make connections with people. Maybe I'm the problem. I don't know.
0: No, I think uh, I mean. We are both, we kind of both in that same boat. Because again, for me, like when I say a connection, it's not just, uh because there are a bunch of people that you and I feel like we both know that we can see out and we know them because we've seen them once or twice, maybe right. even 20 times, right? But they're not the people that I would invite to a birthday party or people right. that I would right. uh, I would go out to, if I'm having a bad day, like, hey, let's go hang out, right? When we say genuine connection, being an expat, I mean people that, you know, call and check on me, whether it's once a week or once a month, and hey, how's it going? I've been talking to you. I just want to see how you are doing can we get lunch or something like that? Like that kind of genuine connection.
1: Exactly. Yes. That's very hard to find. That and then like, super
0: hard to find. and then like, as in, I don't want to say introvert, but as a person that's okay with being alone, cause I'm the same. I can be at home all day by myself, video games and a TV and a beer and I'm good. But um, <laughs> uh, like what, do you find yourself then connecting more with family or connecting more with old friends? Or like, have you found that one, those one or two people that, you know, that make it okay for you to, you know, to be okay while being in Taiwan, or is that all just like something that you get from yourself?
1: Well, I do have people who I've connected with, like my friends back home, I still talk to them almost once or twice mm-hmm. a week. And I do have very close, maybe two or three friends here in Taiwan that I can hang out with. But otherwise I just... I go to the mountains and talk to the trees. That is okay for me.
0: She is not talking about marijuana, y'all. Taiwan has some really nice trees. She's talking <laughs> about, she's really talking about going and talking with nature. I just want everybody to know. I mean, if she is doing marijuana, so what? Y'all judge, judge your mama, but I'm Last, just letting y'all that's, know. That's true
1: i am not talking about marijuana don't come okay, i just, me i just
0: wanted to, to make sure it is illegal in taiwan and we are not trying to get anybody <laughs> deported during the pandemic because i don't think we got enough police officers right now um
1: <laughs> uh, hi nicole
0: <laughs> oh hey hey coop how you doing girl check out uh, our Right. Yeah. And I think, see, and now I want to dive deeper into this making friends thing. It is hard making friends. I thought I was crazy because I, I lived in Taipei for eight years and I had butt loads of friends I Had these big houses. I went to Jong and I meet people and be like, yeah, let's connect. And then they just like, nah, I'm good. I'm like, okay. You, really you just have
1: that? all this information in your phone, and I'm this person. If we if we connect like online or on Facebook or something, I'll send you a message. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Even if it's like once every month. Hey, how you doing? And if I notice that you're never messaging me, then I get the message.
0: Right, right, yeah. and it's also I think, and also for me, I, yeah, I'm, I'm aging myself a little bit. But like even with technology, I thought I find it weird sometimes. That you know, you meet somebody out for one time, you get on social media, like, hey, what's up? You want to hang out? to me like I don't mind doing it but it just it sometimes feel weird because like I don't want anybody to think I'm hitting on them or like uh you know trying to you know just trying to invade their space it's like hey I genuinely just want to hang out and get coffee with you or you know have a have a, a, a smoothie I don't know what people do when they hang out but, <laughs> <laughs> but like how do you do that it changed so fast one, one, one day it was phone calls next day it was tweet me or something it was it was just so fast it's
1: getting so strange I'm the, I'm the opposite because I'm like okay I just want to be friends with people and then I realize later on that they're actually hitting on me and then we can't be friends anymore I've lost so many connections because people genuinely try to try to flirt with me and I didn't realize it and I was just like thinking we're friends and now we're not friends anymore
0: so do you, uh, do you find do you find that happening with only the foreign population or does that also happen with uh, the Taiwanese like Taiwanese people that you meet as well
1: Oh, Taiwanese will tell you straight up if they want to date you. They don't beat around the bush. So I don't have that problem with Taiwanese.
0: Oh, so it's the foreigners that be trying to slide <laughs> in the, the foreign- DMs. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, when I first came to Taiwan, uh, I had mostly Taiwanese friends. Again, I couldn't find any black people until I hired a few. Um <laughs> I was I was, <laughs> I was out here hurting. <laughs> I had I, but again, my Taiwanese friends were great, right? And I think mm-hmm. I think I, I struggled more so with the dating scene when I first came, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the friendship line. And I was actually okay with having mostly Taiwanese and like a sprinkle of Anglo Saxon friends as well.
1: Right. Yeah, I had I had a good few Taiwanese friends. It was harder to make foreign friends because you never know and they're never straight up. Like a guy would approach you be like, Hey, you cool, let's hang out. But that could mean so many things. But if a Taiwanese says, "Hey, let's hang out," it's "Hey, let's hang out."
0: Yeah, and they're gonna take you to a nice little uh, a nice place that you ain't never been before. They're gonna ask you what you like, and they're gonna make sure they go to a place you like. And it's gonna they probably gonna invite friends. Like, yeah, that's how I made a lot exactly. of friends. By, yeah.
1: Next thing you know, you're playing badminton at nine o'clock at
0: night, drinking bubble milk tea, and you are gonna have the, the bubble guts, the bubble guts, the next day because I'm lactose toast but cause thing is like you 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 can't say no like you can't say no to like free bubble milk tea but they always Wait, bring bubble We're milk tea i are not
1: gonna skip over that story you have a story about uh-huh. bubble milk tea
0: oh cuz i didn't know you know when people say like th- they don't usually say bubble milk tea or sometimes they do but they're like oh bubble tea and i'm like right. oh it's white Oh, okay okay cool I, I could drink this but man we was out we were just out hanging out we went to like a, a tea shop we had the bubble tea and we went to another shop and yeah, bubble tea and it was like two hours in i drank two of them because i was thirsty because it's hot as hell in taiwan y'all know it'd be hot as it's like 110 <laughs> degrees there for no damn reason but anyway i was out walking i had to oh man we was on like a boardwalk and i had to sprint because taiwan don't got a lot of outside bathrooms and some places you got to pay to use the bathroom it's a whole it's, it's a whole thing but i had to run a good seventy-five minutes to a bathroom because I had to bubble milk tea, guys. <laughs> bubble milk tea, guys. It was it was seven to ten minutes of a full-out sprint in in the dead heat. Uh, but I Ooh. I definitely I definitely survived that, y'all. So hey, if you lactose intolerant, don't drink bubble milk tea. It is it is not for you. But
1: (laughs) that's a disgusting story.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, uh, you asked for it, so you got it. In what ways, how do you entertain yourself? What do you do for fun? Like, when you want to have a good night out on the town in Taiwan, where do you go? What do you do? And how often do you do it?
1: Oh, well, it depends. I love dancing, so I find myself going dancing maybe once a week. Uh, There's this little Filipino disco that has the best jam, the best vibes. So I go in there, like, on a Sunday at 2 have a lunch, go in there too, leave at six, have dinner, get home, shower in bed by 10. I mean, it sounds like an old person thing, but that's fun. You get to dance all afternoon and you get home at a decent time. I also like hiking, but not like the intense hiking because I'm afraid of heights. So I just go to the mountains and just, you know, walk around for a couple hours. Or KTV. KTV is my favorite as well. I like to go to KTV or people watching at the train station there's so many things i do just go to the train station sit there and look at people come and go and think of their stories
0: so this filipino dj will people be dancing like do they be dancing dancing and is the music good do they dance with you uh, is it more of a friendly vibe compared to the you know the I don't like clubs. It's only like three clubs in Taichung, and all of them are just filled with smoke and jumping up and down. But like, is an yeah. actual dancing and a real experience when you go to the, the the Filipino discos.
1: Oh, it's an experience. There are poles in there that you can swing on, so we get down. And the okay. thing is, you get in there. You can go by yourself. Usually, I go by myself. And by the end of the afternoon, I have like ten people just dancing with me in a circle. So they welcome you. It's, it's a whole, it's a community. It's, a, it's an experience. I like it. They play all sorts of music. It's not just like EDM, doo, 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 but it's, it's a nice vibe.
0: Well, that's good. I think that's something that uh, I haven't really ever really thought about, but I just thought about now it's uh, women, ex- like especially black women, when you go out and being able to go out to a club or to like any, honestly to a bar or anywhere by yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know, and I, and, I'm speaking from a very American perspective, too. Like, I mm-hmm. understand that. Well, it's like, I don't know that many women are like, yeah, I just go out by myself to a bar, to a club. You know, it's a huge safety thing. But like, do, do you feel safe going out by yourself uh, in Taiwan? To, like, not just to clubs and bars, but to anywhere, like, anywhere. Uh, late at night feel, and to the mountains yeah. and stuff like that?
1: I go running late at night. Sometimes at midnight, I put on my running shoes <laughs> and I go running and I feel okay. Taiwan is pretty safe. For me, as a woman, I feel very safe going out by myself i've never had an issue
0: like in in regards to identity what has it been like for you and again this this can be a very quick short answer or you know as long as you would like it but what is it like to be a black woman living in taiwan how How have you worked with identity and being a black woman in taiwan that's the question i want to ask
1: okay so here's the thing when i first came to taiwan i was just a woman in taiwan a student but I've like over the years people are putting so many labels and so now I'm the black woman in Taiwan. Yes, I am black, but my experience is not limited to just me being black. So if I um if I go through something, it's not because of my blackness. And I never wanna be like, hey, this thing is happening to me because I'm black. Hmm. I am just a woman experiencing something. Yes, there are cases where things are happening to me because of the color of my skin, but I don't want to be, I don't want that to be the first thing I jump to when something happens or when I'm thinking about my experience. Whenever I travel, I've noticed like before Corona, I would always (laughs) Google how, how are black women treated in this country? And I Mm. never used to do that before until I came to Taiwan and people started pointing out that, "Hey, you're different. You're black. You're not like us." Before it was just I'm traveling, but now I have to attach the color because I want to make sure that am I accepted in this place?
0: You know, and 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 huh?
1: Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, and like, uh, and I find that interesting because I know, um, and I know, and when I said this before, like when I first started podcasting, I got a lot of uh, strong feedback from uh, some people and even close friends. I was like, yeah, when I first started traveling, like I didn't, I didn't travel as Black Carl. And I was like, I traveled as Carl as a person out there. Like, I knew I was black, but like you said, it wasn't the first thing that came to my mind and it wasn't how I judged my experience. Now, I know as a black person, I know when it's because I'm black and when it's because I'm a foreigner or because I look like I don't belong here, right? I think those right. are three very different things that, you know, the more you either live in a place or the more experiences you have outside of your community, you can identify when those things are the case. So is that like similar to like along the lines of what you're kind of referring to as well?
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. But I also don't wanna be that person who'd always you know, like some people you meet them and then everything is because it's because of this one thing. Like I've met lots of people who are like, This thing is happening to me because I'm black. A lots of black people say that.
0: And I met but, a bunch of people. I mean huh?
1: but but I mean, maybe it's happening to you because you deserve it or
0: that was that was the very next thing i was gonna say like maybe you're maybe you're just an asshole you ever thought about yeah you ever think about that that may be the root cause of most of your problems um and with that being said we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our sponsors Revolution Beauty is affordable and accessible makeup for all. Since day one, Revolution has been challenging beauty norms and championing diversity. All products are 100% cruelty-free and designed based on consumer feedback. So, Revolution has something for every skin type and any occasion. We are teaming up with Revolution Beauty to give you 20% off your next purchase by using code PODGO20. That code PODGO20. At revolutionbeauty.us. Check out the link in our show notes and join the revolution today. Okay. All right. Thank you, sponsor. So um, <laughs> I'm going to insert an ad. I'll record live. Y'all. I'm going to insert an ad right after I say that. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I mean, um, feel free not like... to answer this question. It's a, it's, a, it's a deep personal question for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, what has it been like dating in Taiwan? Is it easy to date? It's easy to find people uh, that you're interested in um, to you know explore relationships with uh, being abroad and in another country, specifically in Taiwan?
1: It's easy to find people, but it's not easy to find people who you can see longevity with. Hmm. So when I first got here three months in, I got engaged. And that was a bad idea. But um, I thought, okay, this might work out. And ever since my engagement broke off, I've been more mindful, more mindful of who I entertain. Mm. Also, because I'm black, because a lot of people have fetishes. So I got to be careful of that. I also got to be careful, okay. what's this person really after? So it's, it's easy to find people, but it's hard to find people who are interested in staying, or staying around for a long time.
0: Okay, so I've developed, uh, like I have some questions that I'll ask maybe um, when I am, dating or when i'm starting to date someone to kind of one like you said figure out if it's a fetish or if it's like you genuinely like me as a person but also right. to kind of figure out like you said when you're a foreigner it's so easy and correct me if i'm wrong this may not be your experience but also mm. you just feel differently about it it's so easy for us to become detached to something because we can always i think like you said earlier i can leave taiwan at any point in time i want to exactly. so like i can right, right so i can detach from something including a relationship Whenever I want to and not feel guilty about it because I'm going back home to family and sometimes shoot a boyfriend or a dip or a whole whole husband and wife and kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, Are there any questions that you ask or any things that you like notice right away when you can tell someone? It's Mm -hmm. just and I'm speaking specifically for foreigners and even for Taiwanese. Right. That they're Mm -hmm. they're just trying to date and play, not trying to date and stay is what I want to say.
1: What kind of questions can you ask? I'm still trying to figure that out. I'm doing uh, research right now. What questions can I ask to find out if someone's trying to stick around for the long run?
0: Oh, my, hmm. my first one, uh, date on the second date. Can I meet your parents? There you go. What? That's how you on know. the
1: second
0: <laughs> date? Get out of town. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's not, it's not what they say after that is what their face look like. If they like, huh? well, you know what? Or if they're like, hell to the now. Then you're like, hey, that, that hell to the now came a little too quick. You need to uh you need to reel it in, time
1: Don't you think that's a little soon, though?
0: <laughs> but you know, but well, if they know, me, like you know, about the second date, they probably know I'm goofy and silly, so it won't be right. too out of bounds. But it's like again, I want to see what your reaction is. If it's yeah, or if it's like nah, we're not there yet. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of how they respond to the question that gets it. And
1: ah, here's a here's a good question. Sorry to cut you off, but um, if you're dating someone, a good question to ask them is. If we fall in love and we feel like this can go on forever, if I decide to leave, will you follow me?
0: Hmm. And that's not a second day question for sure. But yeah, I feel you on that.
1: that That's a question you asked after the first three months, because after three months, you know <laughs> if someone's... <laughs>
0: But see, you know, and so, you know what, Janet, like, okay, I understand three months, but honestly, for me, especially it depends on how you date. Right. So if in the first month you spend, cause again, I've dated people I've worked with for, you know, for, for better, for worse. Like if I see you every day, then after a month, like, I feel like you could still ask that question. And, and, and again, it's not necessarily, will you go with me and stay forever? But if you're an expat and you're like bouncing around a different country, like why not come back to America with me for a year or two? Or, or why not go to another country and teach together, right? Like, if, like right. Isn't that, is not that fair to ask someone after a month? Or is, it, or is three months like a good segue to know, like, we're getting mildly serious? Because I feel like when you're abroad as an expat, things just move faster. It, or am it, I wrong? They
1: do move faster. But it depends on the connection you've made within the month. I mm-hmm. mean, if you're still really lukewarm about each other, definitely don't ask that question in the first month. But if you're quite comfortable and you're able to open up with each other, you can have these open discussions, not even related to each other. It can be like a hypothetical situation. If you're in love with someone, would you follow them wherever they go? Would you want me to follow you wherever you go? It could be a hypothetical question, but it depends on the, the kind of connection you've made within the month, if you want to ask that question within a month.
0: That makes sense. Look at that. I just learned something today. Look at me. Always, black expat podcast. My last question is: and then This is <laughs> this is not about you. I, I just kind of want to know though, because I I I just thought about this. I'm gonna ask this in upcoming interviews too. I'm doing a series on uh, love and relationships. But how do breakups work in Taiwan? From you, what you've seen? I've seen a lot. Before I get into mine, like, have you seen others break up? Uh, and not, I'm talking about expats and foreigners too. Like, what does it look and feel like? Or, like, how does it happen?
1: Ooh t question right there so i've seen yeah i've seen some really shitty breaks breakups so when my taiwanese friends break up it it's it's a little dangerous (laughs) yeah (laughs) it can get wild like i've seen taiwanese girls like especially if they date foreigners they'll ask the foreigner for everything they've ever given to them like if I got your phone or whatever, give it back. We're breaking up, give it back, whatever. And they're going to say shit about you for the rest of their lives. Dang, I've, seen the and, I've seen Taiwanese and Taiwanese break up and it's like, you you don't want to be around for that. But I like when foreigners and foreigners break up, I've noticed that they just disconnect. This is weird because I'm friends with most of my exes and there's no animosity. We just didn't work out and it's fine. Right. Like I've noticed like here in Taiwan When people break up it's just like we can't be friends anymore Just whatever Let go
0: And you know that's so mind-boggling To me because it's like for me it's If you were friends if the root of your relationship Was friendship and you guys actually liked each other Then <laughs> you know if you If you're just not ro- working out romantically or like Long term then just have an honest Conversation about it again I know it hurts And it sucks and the anger will be there But you know just take a month apart and I feel like that friendship can still... Because people say, I'm crazy. Like, how are you still friends with your exes? And I'm like, because I didn't go around breaking their heart. Like, I didn't cheat or I didn't set their house on fire. Like, we just had an adult. I was like, hey... Or they were like, hey, this ain't this ain't where it's at. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I feel that too, baby girl. You want some juice? And then that's it. <laughs> you want like to
1: give juice,
0: huh? <laughs> we drink some juice and then... <laughs> we drink some juice, have some <laughs> coffee, and we go on, go on about our business and, you know...
1: And that's the Uh, mature thing to do. But a lot of people who are out here in relationships are not mature at all. That's why they end up like cheating and hurting each other because they're not mature or mentally ready to be in relationships. So when they break up, it's a whole explosion.
0: Because someone got mad at me for saying, like, I think it's real crazy that you say you want to fight for love when he literally said he don't love you. (laughs) And they got so (laughs) mad. I was like, but he (laughs) did say it, though. He did tell you. I know, but I'm fighting for it. I'm like, oh, you, need, you need some juice because that's that's what it is. You need, you need some good juice. And you are not getting enough vitamins to to think straight. But yeah, okay. But I definitely wanted. To, I definitely want to hit on that. But uh, I guess one of my one of my final questions. Um, like, do you have a plan to go home, or like, is there another destination around the world that you could see yourself living in, um, other than Taiwan?
1: I was actually planning to go home last year. Oh. If everything had worked out, then I would have maybe stayed or moved to the U.S. But at this point, there's no moving to the U.S. Yeah,
0: no. I don't know. It's all right.
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> you're saying that in low tones, so you don't even believe yourself. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> you're like, I'm so hopeful that it's all right, but we we both know. <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it depends on where you go. Like, I wouldn't recommend New York or California or anything else. But yeah, no, I feel you though. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Baltimore. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, I could see myself moving to Europe, Sweden, but not for long. I don't think I would live there for long. Maybe six months.
0: Yeah, I just like spend some time.
1: Yeah, just get around Europe for a while.
0: So, like, how, like how, how, how has COVID then uh, changed your, like, your plans in regards to, like, you know, places you want to live or just things you wanted to do, right? Because I know uh, when COVID happened last year, for me, again, I wanted to go home for all these things, but I ended up staying in Taiwan. And I kind of felt mm-hmm. trapped because, like you said, America was crazy. It was wilding back then. They had that orange dude in office. Um, <laughs> but, like, how, how did COVID kind of, like, cha- change your plan and, like, your life path at all? Uh
1: I wanted to travel, like, I like to travel two or three times a year, and now I can't do that, but i have like, segued into now traveling around Taiwan, so I've been doing a lot of, like, going to Xiaoyuan Cho, or just, like, now the plans are different. They've changed quite a bit, but I'm still able to have varying experiences here in Taiwan and make the most of it.
0: Okay, because I know, um, and also, that's my last question about that, I know there's been a recent surge in the COVID cases in Taiwan. I know Taiwan handled it beautifully from the start uh, because you know we didn't we didn't go through a big lockdown or any uh, or any big restrictions. But like, is it has it been scary these past few days with all the recent with the recent surge and you know in cases? Um, and uh, how are you preparing for you know it moving forward if it gets really bad? Are you gonna leave? i um, so, like, what are some of your thought processes and also your preparation behind uh, the recent COVID surge there?
1: Dude, I've been scared as hell, but I'm definitely not going to the supermarket to buy toilet paper. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been a bit worried, but I'm confident that the government is doing the best that they can. Um, If it does get to a point where, hey, we're in lockdown, I'm okay with lockdown. Listen, I need my alone time. So if I could stay home and... Just relax for a month or two or however long. Just chill. Hey, I'm down. As far as handling the COVID situation, I feel like Taiwan is doing the best so far right now. So if I leave, what am I leaving to go to? Where if I stay, I know, I mean, we have a competent system here, so I'll be fine. Yeah, so I think staying, staying put for now is... is, the best thing i could possibly
0: do yeah that makes sense all right so thanks janet uh this is the point of the podcast where if you have any questions for me um you know go ahead and uh ask them or is there anything else that you would like to add uh, i got a go question and... i got a
1: question yeah what's this juice that you're always drinking what's the flavor, <laughs> flavor
0: is it <there? laughs> Um, uh, my, my special, my juice, uh, I do, uh, you know, I, I was, I had a bar, so I have like a little special cocktail. I like passion fruit and mango juice, uh, mixed with a little bit of gin, uh, and a little bit of tonic water and also some tomato juice. And it tastes really, really good. That's definitely something that I, you know, I enjoy drinking.
1: That sounds partly Caribbean. Really? Yeah. It's, I mean, minus the tomato, but... It sounds very passion fruit, that sounds, and mango, that sounds very Caribbean.
0: Okay, okay.
1: Who is Musha Fama?
0: I'm not sure. Misha, uh, well, you can't accept Collins now, but if you want to type your question, I'll be happy to ask Janet for you. Um, are there any other questions you or anything else you want to know or ask about or talk about, Janet, about your experience um, in Taiwan?
1: Not really, no. Taiwan is amazing. How do you feel with the closing of the bar?
0: Yeah, I'm actually, that's my next podcast I'm going to do on Wednesday. But no, I think um, I'm actually, honestly, I'm still processing it. Uh, I mean, like with COVID now, like, again, it's good that it did close because, you know, Taiwan, you can't, we wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to be open during this time anyway, Um, just with everything going on. So, I mean, everything kind of happens for a reason. So I'm kind of, you know, glad on that front about it, but the overall impact of it, or, you know, mental health wise and just a whole lot of things. It's, it's been tough. But uh, I think given time and other opportunity, it'll definitely, I'll get to a place where I'm, I'm better with it. You know, because I do, I, I've been in, I've just been in Taiwan for so long and I definitely wanted to create something for us, place people to feel comfortable. And uh, we, we fell short in a lot of places as well, uh, admittedly so, but we also did a lot of great things. And I'm just, I want to create a, a space. I want to maintain something like that just for us. So mm-hmm. again, once the world gets back on its feet, uh, with you know this whole pandemic Thing uh, hopefully I'll be able to well Not hopefully I'm definitely going to be uh, Building something else up. I'm actually working on something But you know just with COVID I Had to put a lot of it on on the back burner uh, But yeah it, it hurts Sad all that but you know Happy vibes happy thoughts and well, I want to well, live I a life of gratitude
1: I'm grateful to you guys because you created A space where I met some Amazing people and had really great Experiences so I am Grateful so thank you for that
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. It was always a pleasure having you there. I still have your picture, our Michael Jackson uh picture that we took at the bar. Yeah. I don't remember that day.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I had, I had that red, red jacket on. I, I looked a hot mess. I don't even know what I was You look good. I still on my Instagram. I'm about to pull it out. made me cry, Janet. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for taking the time uh to talk with me today, Janet. I really appreciate it. I hope you have an amazing Sunday. Stay safe out there um yeah and thanks for being on the show you I too. Really appreciate thanks
1: it. for having me i really appreciate you having me on here
0: thank you great conversation and thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the black expat podcast thank you so much for janet for joining us today um again if you have any other questions send them to me and i'll ask janet for you and i'll talk about it on my next podcast maybe i don't know it depends on how i, feel. No, I definitely <laughs> will definitely send me a message and if you want some of my juice uh i'm gonna actually I'm gonna patent this juice. I'm gonna come up with my juice formula. uh Don't steal it because I told you mostly what it is, but it is one thing I left out. So if you want some of Carl's special juice, you know what? That sounds weird. Forget I said that. <laughs> but thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black Expat Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to my YouTube channel. I got new videos up, and you check out the Black Expat Podcast Network that I just launched. Again, a huge thank you and a warm welcome. Sorry, a warm goodbye to Janet who gave an amazing interview today. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> And thank you so much to everyone who tuned in today. Y'all know what time it is. Thank you so much. My name is Carl, the Black expat. Woo! And we are out of here.